Mets fans, I want to take a quick break from talking baseball and let you know about the next top prospect in building a smart home. Eufy Video Smart Lock E330 is that big time new star prospect. The Eufy Video Smart Lock E330 is a smart lock, a 2K resolution camera, and a doorbell. It's three devices in one, triple the security. You know triples are rare in baseball, but not with Eufy. You can have everything in one device rather than install many pieces on your front door. It's not just for security, but also for convenience. Just the other night, I had tons of packages in the rain. Rather than fumble for my keys, I easily entered my home. This is big since I have four dogs who are impatiently waiting for me at the door. No more concerns about losing keys, and you could assign passwords to your family members. Worried about when your loved ones are getting home? Eufy allows you to see them coming back home via the integrated camera. Hey Mets fans, this is a home run. I had a competitive product before Eufy, and it's the difference between a one-dimensional hitter and a five-tool player. Eufy is that five-tool superstar. Go to eufy.com, that's E-U-F-Y.com to learn more. Already sold? Go to Amazon and get your Eufy Video Smart Lock E330 today. Want to go to the store? Best Buy will have it starting around May 20th. Get complete control over your front door at ease with the Eufy Video Smart Lock E330 today. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. It's another edition of the Talking Mets Podcast. I'm your host, Mike Silva, here on this Sunday, February the 26th. Of course, if you want to check out the show all the time, go to MetsmorizedOnline.com. Send me a tweet at Mike Silva Media. You can check me out on SoundCloud, iTunes, Stitcher, pretty much whatever podcasting service you desire. So that gets all the intro in the way. Of course, this is our first call-in, live call-in show here. Since, um, I guess the winter, what was it, January when we did it? Something like that. Something along those lines. And uh, hoping you guys participate. Hoping you guys uh, have a good time. Like I said, I'm probably going to be on the air for about an hour. I put some overtime for the live stream so that you guys have a chance to uh, to listen to that and, and listen to the live stream at some point, or, or on replay, whatever you have be, so that, that'll be your choice. If you want to call in, the number is 646-716-8187. Again, the number is 646-716-8187. Let's see how this goes. You know, Joe D. had said that you guys are asking for something like this. I hope Sunday night, 6 o'clock, nothing really on, no NFL anymore. There really isn't much sports going on in the month of February. Maybe you're an Oscars fan. Maybe you're getting ready for the Oscars. I can't help you with that. Maybe you have some Sunday night appointment television. I don't know if you're a Walking Dead fan that you have to prepare for. you got something else going on. It really isn't appointment television anymore, really, when you think about it. I mean, with all the podcasts and the DVRs, and other than sports, is is there anything you got to listen to at a specific time? I don't think so. I mean, maybe this maybe this uh, Talking Mets podcast when it's a live call-in show. So... Again, 646-716-8187 is the number, and I hope to hear from some of you guys. We've had some good times with this in uh, some other iterations of it. You could also send your questions via tweet at Mike Silva Media. If you really don't want to do that, you could send it. I think Joe D. had set up a contact form on MetsamorizedOnline.com. You could email me msilva126 at gmail.com. Say, I gave you this time my Gmail address because when I give you my AOL address, you guys kind of 
kind of make fun of that and say, oh, you know, what are your GeoCities and everything, which is fine. I, I don't really care, but I thought it was pretty funny, so I, I changed it up a little bit, gave you the other one. Uh, but ultimately, the real fun here would be you guys calling in, and again, the number is 646-716-8187. Where do we start before we get to uh, – there is some already questions popping up here in the in the uh, comments thread, and I think we have a couple of questions to get to. So um, let me start out here and give you some of my uh, my thoughts of where we're at. Not, I mean, look, not a ton has gone on, but the big news, of course, has been Michael Conforto since the game started on Friday. Last time that we actually uh, spoke was, uh, what was it, Thursday? Wednesday or Thursday when I had Matt Eholt on the show, and we talked a little bit about some of the questions or topics that were going in into spring training. So Conforto has come out. He's hitting over 700. He's had a couple of hits every time he's played. He had a home run against the wind, a bomb today, at what is now first day to field in Port St. Lucie, against the left-hander, so you can't ask for anything more than that. The other part of this is the concerns now with Lucas Duda, the hip and the back soreness, and I don't care what Duda says. Those are legitimate concerns, because when you have a big guy, a guy who has back issues, inevitably the hip and the back are all connected, and if those things are hurting you and you're not at 100%, it's very hard to play baseball. And if you do play baseball, you're going to be diminished in terms of your mobility. Your power is going to be impacted. That's not something that you really uh, you want to face as, as a big power-hitting first baseman like Duda. So now what you look at is, does that change Conforto's standing with the team where he's got a hit to prove himself? We know that. I said that, and basically Terry Collins has said that. But now it puts Jay Bruce in a situation where Maybe he becomes the first baseman. You put Conforto back out in right field, solves a problem. In reality, I don't know how Bruce can play first base. He did say, hey, I'm not going to go out there and be a butcher. He's played a couple of games there when he was in Cincinnati. But he is a big leaguer. First base is not easy to play. We don't want to diminish that. Uh, But maybe he can be serviceable in some way, shape, or form. What What I think it really does is it gives Dominic Smith an opportunity through the first three to four months of the year that if he goes down, he goes down to Vegas and hits, and hits at a level where he shows he's ready for the big leagues. Everybody's going to hit well in Vegas, but then there's the next level, the next echelon here. He might be able to grab this position before the year is out. I know that that sounds odd. He's not even on the 40-man roster, but he's a top prospect. He looks good. You know, you saw some of his defense today. You saw how he hit today. Keith Hernandez even said how well he liked his swing. This is your first baseman of the future. This was your first-round pick. So is it crazy to think at some point Dominic Smith starts to make a push here? Duda's a free agent at the end of the year. I think this is it for Duda. Even if he hit 30-something home runs, I think they're going to move away from him. Too much of an injury risk. And if you remember, he turned down a multi-year contract a couple of years ago, a three-year deal, which turns out to be very fortuitous for the Mets in that sense. So that's really the story. you got Conforto making a push. He's, he's hitting left-handers, hitting the, the heck out of the ball. Uh, another great performance today. Uh, he's, he's basically answering the bell. The bell is, hey, prove that you can make this team. Prove that last year was a fluke. Now you've got the first base situation being muddied, and, uh, and we'll start there. We'll start with that. So let's get to the phone lines because I do have some uh, written or comments that I want to get to, but let's start to the phone lines. It looks like we've got a Westchester number, 914 and 3368 is the last four digits. I know this is annoying doing it. I've got to find a better way to do the intro to the uh, calls, but this is all i got. 914-3388, you're on the air with Mike Silva. What's your name? What's going on? Mike, how are you? It's Darren Kunis. How are you, buddy? Hey, Darren. How you doing, man? So you got you, Darren, no radio today up there in Westchester, huh? Uh, I'm actually in Orange County with a, I guess it's a Westchester number, though. But I'm in yeah, Orange County. Orange County. Uh, Hudson Hudson Valley. We'll call it that. Hudson Valley. Is that fair? That is that is fair. You know, you took some so of you, I was gonna I saw you uh I saw on Twitter you were doing the show tonight. I obviously wanted to give you all the support in the world. I think you do a great job. But you stole my thunder you. by coming right out of the gate with the first base uh issue with the Mets. And my question or my thought is it is February whatever it is, February twenty fifth. And I don't see I don't see where David Wright fits in on this team. I don't think he'll go north with the club to start. 
And I'm not. I, I'm confused as to why they're not giving him a first baseman's glove and working on the backfield with him at first base. Because I, I, Conforto to me has to be on the on the big league club, and he has to get his at bats. And I don't want to screw around with him at first base. And I don't want Flores there because I agree with you that Duda is is. If he plays, he's not going to play a tremendous amount because of the lingering back. So I wanted to know your thoughts on Wright possibly taking some balls at first. I I got to tell you, Darren, you I agree with you. Here's the thing: I I first of all, I, I don't know what to think of David Wright. I mean, you did, even Keith Hernandez and Cohen yesterday on the on the broadcast were very skeptical about whether he could be on the opening day roster. I know they got the big standing ovation. You saw him hit a couple of times yesterday. I mentioned on the podcast on Thursday, Andy Martino was on, uh, I believe it was the fan with Richard Muir about a week ago, and he even expressed some skepticism. And, and within his scope, he works at SNY, said that there are those on the team in the organization, the front office, that I think they're going through this because it's David Wright and out of respect to him, and you owe him money, and you have to have him try to come back. But I think in the back of all their minds, this isn't going to happen. The guy still hasn't been able to throw past 60 feet. Uh, that obviously isn't going to work at third base. Yeah, there's no DH. The outfield's not an option. So you're right, first base is the only option. Now, can David Wright play that? David Wright has a bad back. He's never played first base before. I'm not saying David Wright's a bad athlete, but I've never thought of David Wright as a guy that can no be nimble idea. enough to pick up different positions like Jose Reyes. Go ahead. I, I'm sorry. I, agree with you, I agree with everything you just said, but it is February, and... I agree that they, the Mets organization feels they probably owe David Wright. He's the face of the franchise for many years, blah, blah, blah. But let's take a, let's see what he can do at first base. Because as a Mets fan, I, I like that. I want Jose Reyes at third base. That's where I want Jose Reyes. Because if you take Reyes off third, if Reyes isn't in the lineup, we have no leadoff hitter. So Reyes has to play third. I think defensively you have huge issues. Even if Wright gets this chance to get his arm strength up and he can throw, what defensively is he going to give you at third base? The throw, listen, the throws, the Nothing. issues with the neck, if you go all the way back to the World Series, that play in game five where, they, where Hosmer scored is because David Wright just threw lollipops. The Royals knew it. He flipped yeah. the ball underhand, and they took advantage of it. I mean, that's has been going on for a while. This isn't a... A new story. I mean, if, if if that's what he's got to do, you don't think teams are going to take it? Teams are there's too much video today. There's too much scouting for teams not to take advantage. It'll be a big problem. You'll be you'll be getting four outs an inning, and you know, you know, best pitching staff you could have or not. If they have to get four or five outs an inning, uh, that 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 pretty much spells doom. So I agree with you. Here's the thing. I don't know if they want to add that on. They've mentioned it a little bit. Even Terry had said something about maybe Wright getting a glove there. I think they want to get him right before they actually put him there. Because you've got to think about it. Now you're asking him to do two things. You're asking him to come back from a very serious injury, get his throwing straight, and then learn a position that requires some, some intelligence. I mean, people just think you stand there. This isn't softball like you and I, Darren. They're just going to stand there and, and take a throw. It's not the way oh, it works. No, you and not. I would look very foolish at first base in the big leagues. Let's put it that way. I, I agree. I think the perfect scenario would be, you know, uh, is Jay Bruce at first and Conforto at right. That would that to me is the perfect scenario. But I don't know, you know, how apt Jay Bruce is to move to first. I saw I, I saw he played one or two or maybe three games there in his career. Right, right, and he and he said, well, Darren, thanks for the call, man. Uh, what, give everybody a little. I'll give you a little plug here. What's uh, where can they find your show? You do a sports show up uh, up in the Hudson Valley area. Where can they find you? Uh, Wednesday nights, 7 to 8, 98.3 FM, and you can follow me on Twitter at Darren Kunis. We have great guests like the great Mike Silva. Thank you, Mike. <laughs> Thanks a lot, Darren. That was very nice of you. Yeah, I have appeared on the show a few times. Even talked to little Knicks sometimes. I used to listen. I've been the all-encompassing New York sports guy, but I definitely have honed in on the Mets over the last 12 to 15 months, and I still follow the Knicks. Um, a little bit of football, but I think in this day and age of, of media, like having a subject matter expert, having someone that really understands something really well is so valuable and what have you. 
Look, again, David Wright is – he is not wrong there, and David Wright is a big question, a big question that I don't know if the answer comes very easily. Uh, I think he's a clog on this roster. I'll even get – I wrote down kind of how the roster looks because I have a lot of questions of which direction they're going to go to fill the, the spots on the roster. So, But uh, can he play first? Logistically, with his arm, with his throwing, it would be the best spot for him. I don't even know if he could play full-time. But look, we're all assuming Duda's not going to play. And right now, that's not the case. Duda's downplaying the injury. But I think it's a problem. I mean, he had back issues last year. He's already starting with minimal activity, having back issues and hip issues. And to me, that's a little bit of a dangerous situation. Anyway, let's go to uh, New Jersey now, 973, last four digits, 5750. You're on the air with Mike. Uh, What's your name and uh, where you're from and uh, what do you want to talk about? 973-5750. You're on the air with Mike Silva. Going once. Going twice. 973, New Jersey. Are you there? I guess not. Well, anyway, uh, hopefully you call back in. And like I, like I told you, the number is 646-716-8187. So, and I already see, so now <laughs> I go to the comments section over at MetsmerizedOnline.com, uh, and Hashberry, do we really have to debate whether it was DW's throw that cost the Mets the World Series? What did his throw have to do with Duda throwing the ball in the stands? Nothing, but I don't think, ho- see, you got to remember, you're looking at process versus income, uh, process versus outcome. The process is that if he doesn't lollipop the throw there, there's no throw that Duda has to make under duress. That's, that's where I go. But again, it doesn't matter anymore because they lost and... There you go. So, uh, and, and then, Hashbury, you're right. Maybe Flores, and I've seen some numbers from last year after June where Flores, I think, hit about 290. And, and I know a lot of his at-bats, I don't have the numbers in front of me, probably were against left-handers, but there was a good portion of that versus right-handers as well. And, uh, you know, he probably is outside of due to the best for the position. He seems to handle it pretty well with the glove as well. I mean, so to me, you saw Flores every day. Forget how lousy he is at shortstop. That was an abomination to 2015. I've always said it's amazing they got to the World Series with that double play combination on defense. But Flores' guy could probably hit 20 home runs, driving 75, 80 runs, and hit 275 playing every day. Is that great at first base? No, but that's that's very acceptable. And if you could get a solid left-handed compliment to him that could mash righties, you got yourself something pretty special over there, I think. So let's try this again. Uh, New Jersey, 973, your last four digits of 5750. What's your name? You're on the air with Mike Silva. Hello. 973-5750, you're on the air with Mike Silva. Yes, hello. You're on the air with Mike Silva. How are you? Good. This is uh, Chris from Nutley. Oh, hey, Chris. Thanks for uh, calling in. I appreciate it. Good. Uh, hold on. I just have to. Sorry, I just have to get my paper shuffled before uh, we got yeah. going. <laughs> Thank you. I I remember we had that a couple of shows back on the. It was someone who was shuffling <laughs> papers all the time. I think he was a little nervous. So hopefully you're not quite as nervous. I don't bite. What do you, What do you got for me? Uh, for the last couple of years we've been talking about getting all these young pitchers signed and what's going to cost to keep all these starters, and it seems like probably a lot if they're all as good as we hope. But the last, say, year and change, and counting spring training this year, we've been looking at a lot of decent young positional prospects that some of them might pan out and make the team. If, uh, if a bunch of these guys come up in the next two or three years and actually are, are viable, I think they'll be, they'll be cheap and under control. I think that really gives us a shot at spending the cash to sign some of these starters. I think you're 100% right, and I think that that's the way you have to win. And when Sandy Alderson came in, one of the first things that hurt the Mets is that they couldn't plug in any of the positions of the roster with controllable homegrown talent. If you go back to the teams in 06, even 07, 08 especially, you had 8 to 10 guys making up the roster, and then you had basically garbage at the fringes, numbers 20 to 25. So not only do you have guys like Dominic Smith and Rosario that will help, but Gazelman and Lugo might have to slot in. So if, let's say, Harvey leaves, maybe Gazelman slots in over there. You have Marcus Molina. Uh, you know, there's – you go to the non-roster portion of, of the Mets uh, or even down to the minor leagues as you go to the next – you know, Zazapuki is another name. There's guys in the pipeline. So in the next two to three years, 
the decision, and I guess that's the debate, and I don't know if you have a thought on it, and this year will probably play a lot into it, is if you had to pick two out of the four to give a contract to, especially because it's going to be about a five- or six-year deal, which two are those? I guess you really can't answer that right now unless you have your thoughts at this point. It may be too soon. It's definitely a gamble, but if I had to pick today, it would be uh, Jake and Thor just because, you know, Thor has the best stuff, and Jake looks like the best pitcher if he doesn't have his stuff. So even if he falls off a little in in stuff, he could probably still get guys out. Absolutely, and uh, I I appreciate the call, Corey, from Nutley. I agree. Look, I've always said Jacob DeGrom is the one guy. If I had one game to to win and I had to put a guy in there and I wasn't sure what his stuff was, I would pick Jacob DeGrom because I think he would muscle through it. And you go back to game five of the Dodgers series, and he was you know, on the way out, and he muscled through that. He was close. He was close, and Syndergaard was an hair away from going in, and, and Terry backed off, and DeGrom battled through it. Then they wound up using DeGrom in the seventh, and then Familia for two innings, and the rest is history. But that's an example of what, who Jacob DeGrom is. And you have to look back to last year where Jacob DeGrom wasn't really – you know, right. He was, he was off. So, uh, even with that, he had a solid year. I mean, let's go back to last year real quick here. And Jacob deGrom, who had the, uh, the lat issue early, obviously had the ligament issue. And then you look at him. So 2016 Mets, top 12 players, top three players. If you look at those, I think they use wins above replacement on baseball reference. Uh, Noah Syndergaard, number two, Jacob deGrom, number three, Bartolo Colon. Uh, Jacob deGrom, at an ERA plus of 135. That's pretty darn good. That's better than Matt's. It's a little bit below Noah Syndergaard, better than Cologne, who everybody loved. Um, Jacob DeGrom was solid. You know, was, you know, he didn't have a winning record. He was 7-8 and eight on the year, but he was solid nonetheless. That's interesting. You know, I just the first time looked at it, didn't realize he had a losing record last year, Jacob DeGrom. Did not realize that. I mean, we've gotten to the point where everybody ignores wins because they look at other peripheral stats. So that's really interesting. Hey, the number is 646-716-8187. Want to hear from you. We've got a ton of emails to get to with comments and things to talk about. So we've got a lot of content here. Looking forward to hearing from you. I'm going to take a quick break because if I don't break every so often, I'll probably go hoarse, and this won't sound well when you guys listen to it either now or later on. And we'll take it from there. And look, you guys rustled the papers. Hopefully that, that, that we got that out of our system. I don't care, but that was pretty funny. The guy who actually did rustle the papers last time, I wonder if he'll call on. I can't remember. His name is Timothy, I think his name was. We'll see if he decides to call in. You're listening to the Talking Mets podcast, the live Grapefruit League call-in show edition. Check me out all the time at MetsmerizedOnline.com. Send me a tweet at Mike Silva Media. Listen to me on SoundCloud, iTunes, or whatever podcasting service you desire. Of course, tonight. Live between now and about 7 o'clock. We may go to 7.30. It all depends on you. It all depends on your interaction. The number is 646-716-8187. We'll be right back. Hey, Mets fans. I'm going to let you in on a little secret. If you're looking for the best unbiased and independent coverage of the New York Mets, then look no further than MetsmerizedOnline.com. Metsmerized Online is the go-to place for comprehensive Mets coverage, including exclusive interviews, daily original articles, great weekly features, in-depth analysis, minor league reports, game-by-game breakdowns, and so much more. Find out why thousands of fans turn to Metsmerized Online every day to get the latest news and opinions about the Mets. Coming from an impressive staff of the most passionate fans and skilled writers ever assembled all in one place. Check it out for yourselves, Mets fans. Go to MetsmerizedOnline.com right now. That's Mets, M-E-R-I-Z-E-D, online.com, and get Metsmerized today. We're back, talking to the podcast, again, the live Grapefruit League call-in show. The number is 646-716-8187. So let's get to some emails here. Um, I'm going to go to the mailbag. So let's start there. I'm going to go back and forth here. Mailbag, again, the number is 646-716-8187. This is Jason 
wrote into MetsamorizedOnline.com and said, I see Ty Kelly, who they designated for assignment and then got back, is getting playing time in all three games. Why aren't we trying out Jose Reyes and TJ Rivera in the outfield like they said instead of wasting at-bats on someone who has no chance to make the team? Well, I believe Ty Kelly's heading off to the World Baseball Classic. Now, I don't have a scorecard here of everybody who's playing. I know that TJ Rivera's playing in the World Baseball Classic. Uh, Seth Lugo... I'd have to go and look and see who else. I hate the World Baseball Classic. It just doesn't do anything for me. And hopefully these guys stay healthy and get – and look, it's competitive baseball. So for, if they're not pitchers, I guess there's a value to them playing in competitive games. That's that's as good as spring training and trying to make the team. But if you look at the roster, there's a very good chance some of the versatility of Ty Kelly may be needed. Now, I know they said they're going to try Reyes in center field uh, at some point. It looks like T.J. Rivera is going to get a chance in the outfield. I don't know if that's going to happen in the World Baseball Classic until they come back. I think essentially with Ty Kelly, they're just trying to get him some reps so they can see what they have there. But if you look, if the Mets are going to carry 11 pitchers, and I could get to who's going to make the team out of the pitchers, because it does get a little interesting with the bullpen. There's a couple of ways you can go. That means they'll have 14 positional players. I look at it this way. You have the two catchers. That's going to be Rivera and Darnell. And then you have the five infielders. So if you go to the five infielders that are out there, the five infielders that are guaranteed to make the team are, and I'm, I'm not putting David Wright in there because David Wright may start the year on the disabled list. You got Cabrera, let's say Duda's healthy, that's two. Flores is three. Reyes is four. Neil Walker's five. And then Wright would be six. But let's put five right now. And then you have four outfielders. You have Bruce. Cespedes, Granderson, Lagaris. That's four. That's five and four is nine. Two is 11. That means there's three positional spots left. One would potentially be for David Wright. One might be for Michael Conforto if you decide to make him in that outfield mix or Bruce is going to switch and, and play a little first and who knows what's going on with Duda. That leaves one spot left. So that would mean TJ Rivera because he's on the 40-man would make it. I don't think they're going to take a third catcher. I don't think they would go 12 pitchers. I don't think. They haven't really said anything like that. So Ty Kelly does have a shot at making this roster. Everybody forgets about that. Um, I have not been impressed with Ty Kelly in the big leagues. He's a very Eric Campbell-esque. I know he hit down in Vegas, but he's versatile. He has some uh, some value there as a, as, a, as a guy that could be on the shuttle between Vegas and City Field. You need guys like that. I've heard the organization likes him. They've seen something. They know more than I do from a talent evaluation. But to me, I think that's what they're they're doing with Ty Kelly. And when you talk about wasting at-bats, I think it has a lot to do with the baseball classic. And now he's off to that, so I don't really think you have to worry about it. So I, I don't know how they're going to shake out the roster, but that's very interesting. So how would they go? Everybody says Conforto is going to get sent down to AAA, and he very well may be because they don't want to put him on a backup situation. But if you're going to play guys three, four days a week, you're going to have some, some kind of rotation. You know, Terry's going to have to use metrics or the front office will help him or some kind of rotation. Then you might as well put Michael Conforto in there. Because if you don't take Conforto, now Rivera will definitely make the team. You have to, I'm assuming David Wright will. So then that's the real question. You may have two spots. You have a lot of options to go there. Do you go to third catcher like Ploiecki? Does Gavin Shashini have a, have a chance to make the team as a backup? I don't think so. I'm really not a Matt Reynolds fan. I think he's a 4A player. Strikes out way too much. Doesn't make contact. Rosario's not going to make the team. Wilma Brucera's on the 40-man to make the team. That's the other thing. So if you, you just look at the 40-man, it's stacked. The non-roster guys, that one of them is Kelly. So he, Kelly's got a lot of – he's got a lot to make up. You know, Philip Evans is not going to make it. The Tyrone guys like that are not going to make it. They'd have to, well, if they hit, I guess they could put it in themselves into the mix. But to me, where are you going to, who are you going to take off the 40 man? Because that, that brings me to the bullpen. And what I look about the bullpen, see, now the bullpen, well, you, first the starters, you got Harvey DeGrom, Syndergaard, Mats for solid. Now, the fifth spot, in my opinion, Two of three will make this team. I think Gazelman, Lugo, Wheeler, two of those three will make the team. My opinion is you send Wheeler down 
He hasn't pitched in two years. I don't care what he does here in the Grapefruit League. You send him down, get his innings if you want to start. I don't know if you want to start in Vegas. You want to start uh, you know, down in St. Lucie. Start down there and then you know, bring him up as you go along. That's up to the Mets to do that so they can manage their innings. You want to get a solid – if he's limited in innings, you want to get the best innings out of Zach Wheeler, and you don't want to get the innings that he's building it up into. You want, you want to be competitive. So to me, Gazelman and Lugo, one of those guys will be the fifth starter, whoever pitches better. My money's on Gazelman, but we'll see, because Lugo, to me, could be a good swing guy. So let's say Wheeler gets sent down. you got Harvey DeGrom, Syndergaard, Mats, Gazelman's five, Lugo six, Familia, Reed, Blevin, Salas is ten. Now you go 11 would be a second lefty, Robles, and I would probably go second lefty at that point. So does that mean that you have to find a spot for Edgin or Gorzolani? Smoker's already on the 40-man. He's the easy guy. And here's the other thing. I like what, I mean, I saw a little bit of him today. I like this Ben Rowan. He's a non-roster guy. He looks a little like Chad Bradford. And, you know, maybe you want to try to do some situational things in the bullpen. You've got, uh, uh, of course, Montero is still an option. And we'll get to that because there's a question about that coming up, about Montero. So it'll be interesting to see how they go. They, they, have, they have some good problems. Are the Mets a perfect team? No means are they a perfect team. But they have some good problems here where you, you have too many pitchers. Too many pitchers. And it goes back to what Corey said, Corey from Nutley. They have depth now where they can put some money in the budget. And they've been responsible. It has been annoying. And I've been angry about it too where there were times in 12 and 13 and 14 where even 11, invest in the team. This team may be able to make a wild card run. And they were like, no, no, no. Not time yet. And, and they could have had maybe a bad contract or two on the books now that could have prevented them at some point in the next couple of years from extending one of these young pitchers. But that's the decision they're going to have to make, and they have guys. Paul Seawold, uh, our buddy Michael Mayer over at Mets Miners, has spoken very highly about Seawold, who's pitched very well in the minors, not on the 40-man. They're fortunate he didn't get picked up. We, you know, I thought he may get picked up like a Matt Bowman did. So you know, that, to me... Is, uh, is something to think about. So it's really interesting. It's going to be – they may be – they may go 12. It's interesting. Would you go – I don't know yet because I'd have to see it, – it's really dependent on the health of Duden and Wright, how they go here. With how they – I don't like taking 12 pitchers, only have 13 positional players because you're going to need pinch hitters. It, it gets dicey with extra inning games. Sure, they have some pitchers that could hit like a Syndergaard or the Grom, so they, they could be pseudo-pinch hitters. Syndergaard for sure. But I don't like going that route at all. So let's continue to some of the questions here. And uh, the next mailbag I have is Frank Watson. And uh, Frank said in his ma- email, I'm very surprised that no one on your site, I guess that means MetsmerizedOnline.com, because uh, that's the site, of course, not mine, has questioned that the Mets sold Gabriel Noah for cash in order to open up a spot on the 40-man. I know he was less than impressive for the Mets last year, but his minor league record was very good. I would have sold or traded Montero instead. He has had far more chances and appears to have an attitude issue as well. Noah has won at every level in the minors. There are clearly limitations to judging a pitcher on his one-loss record, but it is just as clear that there are pitchers who don't bear down as much with a big lead. What do you think? Fair statement. I've never been. I've been very disappointed with uh, Rafael Montero. Rafael Montero was positioned as a guy who threw strikes, was efficient, went after hitters, and I don't want to say he pitched like Doug Fister, but that's how I thought. A guy like Doug Fister just go after guys. And I thought, and I said this as they were coming up through the system, that Montero was going to be better than Wheeler. I've always been skeptical of Wheeler. And the day they made the trade, not that I was against that trade, but the mechanics were iffy. When he came up to the big leagues, I felt he, he, he didn't have his command all the time. He just, to me, was a guy that was going to be limited because he would throw too many pitches, so he wasn't going to go deep into games. He was going to get hurt. So to me, um, you know, that, that was always going to be uh, 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 an issue. Now, I'm looking at Noah here and uh, Gabriel Noah. One of the things that happens is it's it's more about where the pitcher 
was drafted or signed in the organization. And I think Montero being a top prospect and them investing a lot into him, whereas Noah kind of just came into the conversation recently, plays a lot into it. If you look, there's a certain amount of politics in an organization. And I'm not saying that there's politics in the Noah versus Montero. But a guy who they've invested in, and they've invested in Montero, and he was hyped a lot, and they obviously see something that's there, is going to get more chances than a Gabriel Noah who wasn't a guy. He was more of a contact guy in the minor leagues. Um, you know, somebody who, unfortunately, comes back to numbers, they probably didn't want to give up. But right now where they are in the arc where they want to win, uh, they had to. And, you know, going over to the baseball reference, I, I know that Gary, Keith, and Ron talked about this yesterday, but they used, to, they, used to, they used to have how where the players were drafted. And I don't think they have that anymore. Um, I think Noah was an international signee. I'm going to check this out right away because maybe, maybe I could get something here. Yeah, so he was an international signee, Noah. That's why I don't think he has anything here. And then if you go to Montero, he would be he'd fall into the same international signing too. Yeah, I mean they both pretty much come through in the international uh, uh, you know market, and I think it comes down to that. Do I think that Montero is going to be better than Noah or vice versa? I don't know. They both were pretty bad when they came up. They both had command issues at times, and. Um, you know, at this point, the Mets want to give uh, Montero a chance. It's not the—I I don't think Gabriel Noah is going to come back in a large way to bite the Mets in the butt. He's—he's he's going to be the guy when they get down to the Noah Montero starter scenario. That's when you start to worry a little bit, and you say, "Hey, maybe they need to go out and they need to get a veteran pitcher." It's very possible. It's very possible that you're at that point when you uh, when you do that. Again, the number is 646-716-8187. Hope to hear from you. Going to be on uh, until about 7 o'clock. I'll also take your, your comments uh, in the thread. Um, uh, and by the way, I'm sorry. It was Chris. Uh, I said Corey from Nutley. I apologize, Chris. I uh, didn't mean that. Um, I thought I heard Corey when he called in, Chris. But, yeah, that's vitamin CM. So sorry about that, Chris. Um, did not mean that. Uh, that little uh, snafu over there. Uh, repeat your thoughts on why the Mets haven't signed Kelly Johnson. Uh, again, goes back. I don't. I don't think they have the room on the forty man. Uh, you go back to the forty man roster. Um, where's the Where's the uh, Where's the room? You know, Thomas Nito's the catcher, and 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 you're not going to take him off. I don't think you can take Shashini off. I guess you could take off Matt Reynolds. That would be a guy. That would, that would, let me tell you something. I would, I would definitely dump Matt Reynolds for Kelly Johnson. Maybe they feel it's too much left-handed bat, but you know, I just told you there's two spots that could be up for grabs here on this roster. You go T.J. Rivera one, Kelly Johnson another. I, I don't know. Maybe they want to see what they have before they bring a, a veteran in that clogs it up. But I would certainly – I agree with that. I would certainly take a look at that. I haven't even brought up Brendan Nimmo, that if they don't want to – put Michael Conforto on the bench, maybe he's more suited to be a backup. You know, maybe that's, uh, maybe that's something to, to think about. So, oh, let me go to, here was a comment uh, from D-U-B-L, double. Can the Mets trade Walker or Duda if Smith and Sashini are destroying? Mid-season, if the Mets have injuries and need help elsewhere, also throw in the injury issue with Duda. Uh, I, I don't know if they would trade Walker. It sounds like they're interested in keeping him around. I don't think Duda is going to be tradable with his, his health issues. I think at some point, uh, Smith and Shashini are really hitting well. I think Shashini is kind of the odd man out because Reyes isn't going anywhere. Cabrera is not going anywhere. And Walker's not going anywhere, at least this year. So he's probably going to have to spend another year in AAA and maybe sub in if there's injuries. Dominic Smith, and I said this in the opening, I think he's the guy that is going to have an opportunity to, to maybe push his way in a little sooner than, than, than before. So, you know, that, that to me is, is, is uh, 
is how I would uh, how to position it. Six four six seven one six eight one eight seven. Call in. I, I you know I set this thing up, but we got a lot of mailbags. So it seems like people want to do the mailbag more than anything. So the, the highlights of the show have been so far that I've mispronounced someone's name, which I feel bad about and apologize. We got a couple of guys calling in. One guy was uh, shuffling papers. That was Chris, which I laugh about over there. Um, uh, so that 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 to me is uh, uh, you know right now with the call highlight. But we had some good mailbags uh, to take a look at. So that's it. Let's go to the mailbag. This is from uh, Devin. Devin, is there a disconnect between Terry Collins and Sandy Alderson? It seems every time Collins says something, whether it's Conforto playing first base and Walker at first base, Wheeler in the bullpen, whatever the next day, Alderson says the complete opposite. And most of the time, makes a joke about it. What is it about these two? I think it comes down to Terry doesn't have the autonomy to make those decisions. And I think Terry has a lot of mic time. And I think Terry thinks out loud sometimes of things that he's thinking or maybe the organization is thinking. And that's the trouble right now with the way that baseball is because you have front offices that are really using the manager as a conduit for their plan. And the managers look more to manage the personalities of the clubhouse and do the X's and O's in-game, but I don't really know if they have all that much say as they used to in the lineup. They do, but they, they don't have that autonomy. It used to be, okay, the clubhouse is mine, the lineup is mine, you know, you give me the players, but if the players are, once the players get into that building, into that clubhouse, they're mine, and I could shift things around. Of course, there's always been that organizational talk about things, but I think now, more so than ever, you know, Terry can't just wake up and say, you know, I'm going to put Michael Conforto at first today and give it a shot. He's going to have to go through the, the chain of command. His chain of command is his boss. To be fair to Terry, and I've criticized him for this exact thing, I just think it's so hard with the amount of times that he is on uh, television, the amount of times that he talks to the media, you know, on the record, off the record, all the times the microphone, the SNY press conferences before the game, after the game, which to me the before the game, unless there's news, is kind of worthless. They might just have him – he'd probably get more out of him if he's chit-chatting around the reporters at his desk than they, they deal with that that setup where they have the SMY backdrop and, and they wait for Terry to come out at whatever it is, 4 o'clock, 4.15, whenever, before a game. And it's inevitable that he's going to say something. If, to me, if I'm in his spot, I probably would couch everything, which is going to annoy the reporters. But um, you know, certainly if he says or is thinking something, he has to go through the management team, and the management team is not always going to agree with everything. So thank you, Devin, for the uh, the question. Some really good mailbag questions, so I appreciate that. Carl Rosen, uh, next question, uh, wrote in, Terry Collins said he expects everyone to work hard this spring, and when it's all over, he's going to take the best 25 to Flushing on opening day. Do you really believe that's true? Look, <laughs> there's always a debate about who the best 25 will be. Uh yeah, I think that the Mets will take the best 25. I think that, like I said in the last podcast, they're committed to making this a special season. I think they're all focused. They know this is a great opportunity. And you hear different talk this year than any other year. In the past, even in 2015, it was more about we're a good team, we should be in the mix, our goal is to make the playoffs. Last year it was more, even though they were defending a pennant, there was also talk about them kind of you know, we'll see what happens. We had a long season. Uh, pitchers are a little tired. You know, we're going to have to work away into shape. We'll be in the mix. We'll see what there was. They, they did talk about redemption and getting back, but I don't know if they necessarily all were on the same page or believed it. And there were concerns. I think this year with Cespedes signed long-term, with the pitchers coming off the injuries they had, with everybody really focused to get back to where they were, there is a different feel. So, the only question with that is, is if you think that David Wright, if he's healthy enough to perform, what I mean by that, that he could get on a major league field and not embarrass himself, and then he's given the third base job because he's David Wright, is that taking the best 25 guys? You, know, you can just debate and discuss that. I know that that's part of that. But um, you know, to me, uh, that doesn't necessarily uh, mean they're not trying to win it. I mean, th- th- they have a lot of uh, interesting 
there are a lot of interesting uh, questions that need to be answered here in terms of who they take. They have, they have 25 spots, and they, they have more than 25 players that you can make an argument could be on the team. Uh, they have non-roster guys that we just talked about that could possibly make this team or deserve to make this team, and I don't know if they will. So to me, you know, that's really where uh, that question becomes a little muddy because we're going to sit here April 1st, and whenever the, the roster's announced, and we're going to say, well, I thought that guy should have made it. Oh, the Mets really playing to win. I mean, that's, you know, they're taking who they think, at least on opening day, makes sense. And remember, baseball is not like it used to be. Just because you're on the roster opening day, that might make sense in the short term. If David Wright is going to become the best option at third base at some point, he may not be on the roster opening day. That doesn't mean he's not part of the plans, and it doesn't mean that if Ty Kelly is, if David has to start the year in the 60-day DL, that he's the answer long term. Go back and look at opening day rosters throughout Mets history, even in seasons where they made the playoffs, you know, 2000, 1999. see a lot of guys that were on that opening day roster were nowhere to be found come October. Nowhere to be found. All right, it's about a quarter to seven. 15 minutes left. I'm going to go and check some more uh, comments and questions. Um, guys, call in 646-716-8187. Uh, we'll try to take it the next 15 minutes. If it speeds up a little bit, maybe I'll stay a little longer. If not, I know it hasn't been a ton of calls. We've slowed down here after the initial foray, but I think we've had some good uh, comments, some good questions, some good mailbags. Um, I thought the discussion so far has been good. So I'm going to check the comments section. I'm going to go back to Twitter. You could send me a tweet at Mike Silva Media. Uh, put a comment into the thread here at MetsmerizedOnline.com or call in the number 646-716-8187. We'll be back. Hey, Mets fans. I'm going to let you in on a little secret. If you're looking for the best unbiased and independent coverage of the New York Mets, then look no further than MetsmerizedOnline.com. Metsmerized Online is the go-to place for comprehensive Mets coverage, including exclusive interviews, daily original articles, great weekly features, in-depth analysis, minor league reports, game-by-game breakdowns, and so much more. Find out why thousands of fans turn to Metsmerized Online every day to get the latest news and opinions about the Mets. Coming from an impressive staff of the most passionate fans and skilled writers ever assembled all in one place. Check it out for yourselves, Mets fans. Go to MetsmerizedOnline.com right now. That's Mets, M-E-R-I-Z-E-D, online.com, and get Metsmerized today. We're back. Talking Mets podcast again. The number is uh, 646-716-8187. Want to hear from you. Um, interesting comment a few minutes ago and uh, from repeat again. And I, I think this is actually a fair point. It's something I've thought about when it comes to this offense. Any reason to believe this offense or lack thereof should be better than last year with no new additions and all or nothing Bruce? Seems on-base percentage leadoff guy would have been a target. Yeah, I, I agree with that. And I think Reyes, who's not really an on-base guy, he's never been, you know, Reyes is an aggressive hitter. He's your on-base leadoff guy. I, I think the offense, even this year, is going to be a little feast or famine because I think Bruce is going to fall into that. Granderson certainly has fallen into that. Suspidus is fairly consistent, but he could be a bit streaky. You know, I don't know how... Cabrera, if he could stay healthy for over 140 games. I mean, he's 30 years old. He's not old. But so is Walker, 30 years old. Walker came across a little streaky as well. I don't know if that had anything to do with his back. Dude has always been a streaky hitter. I mean, Wright himself was a streaky. I mean, there's a lot of guys who are streaky, and you're right. Uh, The on-base component wasn't there. I think the key would be, and you saw some positives, and, and I also listened to Travis Darneau talk a little bit today on SNY, and he's, he's gotten rid of the, the bat rap, which when I went back and looked, he was doing that in the playoffs a couple of years ago. Actually, the home run he hit in game, was it game one or game two, which went to dead center field in the playoffs uh, against the Cubs. I think that was a bat rap, if I'm not mistaken. I know that was a bat rap because I went back to the video, but that was a bat rap. And he, you know, he said there was a slider he hit, I guess, today that he never would have gotten to 
in prior years. And I keep saying to myself, all year I said, how is it that your bat almost faces the pitcher? And then you curl it around, you're never going to be able to get around to stuff. In a day and age where these guys all throw hard, it's just amazing to me. So, you know, that to me is, uh, uh, you know, part of the uh, part of the, the, the key with this offense. If Darno hits with some consistency, and you're never going to get eight guys all hitting at one time. If you can get half of those guys hot at one time, and then they, when those guys get cold, the other half. The best Mets offensive team, there's a couple of good offensive teams I've seen in my time. Now, I've been watching the Mets since the mid-'80s. The 87 Mets were a really good offensive team. Really good offensive team. The 1999 Mets were a really good offensive team. And the 2006 Mets. And you know what? Before, I know that you know, sometimes you guys don't want to hear about Mets history, but I'm going to go back on this horrible baseball reference. Uh, and I'm not going to, how the hell am I going to find now where, uh, you know, this is, you know, Keith is right, man. I, I got to tell you, I can't, I, I used to be able to navigate this thing pretty easily. And now you got to kind of look and see, okay, where, where am I going? Where, you know, how do I get to uh franchise? It used to be franchise encyclopedia or something like that. That you could find a Mets encyclopedia right down there. I guess I'll get used to it. It's not the end of the world. But to me, those were always the best offensive teams. And those teams, uh, I thought, were diversified where they weren't just, you know, home run or, or nothing. So here we go. So let's go to 1999. That was the one team that, you know, if you go to the league. That one, I think you have to go to the league here and see if, uh, oh, geez, this is going to be tough. Team batting. Yeah, it's tough to find things now on Baseball Reference. This would just be so easy. You can go to the league and then say, okay, what? How did the uh, how did the league perform? And then and things like that. So, um, uh, you know what? I'm probably not going to be able. But those are the teams that stood out. Those are the offensive teams that stood out to me. And um, and and I don't know if this team is built like those teams. You know, the 2006 team had power, but you had guys like Wright and Reyes who were. Not your prototypical power hitters. Paul LaDuca, who was a line drive hitter. Uh, Sean Green, you know, Xavier Nady, uh, a guy like that. You know, Jose Valentin had power. But, um, you know, that's where I worry a little bit about this club, where maybe they'd be too reliant on the home run like they were last year. But if the, the team that hit so poorly around them, there were so many solo home runs, this is a team where I think the formula is going to be pretty simple, where – the pitchers are healthy, and they do what you, they normally do when they're healthy. You're going to get a quality start almost every night. Maybe the fifth starter spot right now is the one where you may have some questions. They put up a crooked number, a three spot, and then maybe a one or two spot after that. They score four or five runs a game. As long as the bullpen doesn't implode, they'll be fine. Absolutely fine. Even with, let's say, Familia out 30 games which is probably where that's going. I mean, you, you, that, that's the other thing. When it comes to the bullpen, you know, Familia is not going to start the season in the bullpen, so Smoker's probably going to make the club. And one of these other guys, Gorzolani or Montero, or, you know, maybe even a non-roster invitee could, could potentially make the club for that, for that first month. goes back to the whole thing where not necessarily the, the 25 players that are on the club – on opening night, it, you know, going to be who's going to be there in October. So, but uh, I do worry. I think that's a very fair point. I, I, I'm, I like balanced offenses. You know, the 99 team had Ricky Henderson at age 40, putting up Ricky Henderson light numbers on base, getting on. I mean, had John Olrud, an on base guy, not a line drive guy, had Garl Alfonso. I mean, they had power with Ventura and Piazza. Of course, but they had some guys, and they had a lot of guys contribute, like Benny Agbayani, Sean Dunstan, Todd Pratt off the bench. Um, you know, uh, not Jay Payton was 2000, but um, Daryl Hamilton, good line drive hitter. They had a lot of on base line drive hitters, and that's what made that team good. And, and I don't think this team is like that. This team is more of a, of a power team. And the game has changed a lot. I mean, it may only be 20 years ago, almost 20 years ago, but the game has changed a lot. And that's what they want. And I think even David Cohn, in a great interview that he did with Bob Clappish of the record earlier today, said the game, everybody wants to hit the ball in the air now. Everybody wants to hit a home run. Everybody wants to hit, you know, 99 on the radar gun. 
So that's the game now. Um, Hashberry, more generally, how silly is the intention of walk rule change? I see it as a precursor to bigger changes. Also, baseball is slow by nature. I don't see any real growth potential in the fan base with all the short attention spans we see now. I do think changing the strike zone may create more action, which to me is more important than the time of game. Certainly, if you want to have... Well, here's the, here's the catch-22 on that. You have more action. You have more runs. You have more pitching changes. You're going to have longer games. I think here's the thing that baseball has to remember. With the MLB advanced media component that they've pioneered how, how good they've been with online, and that even the NHL uses their technology, you can watch a baseball game in about nine minutes after everything is said and done. So if you're a millennial or if you're a person with a short attention span or you just can't feel watching the game live, you can watch the highlights in about nine minutes, maybe less, on the MLB at bat on your phone, on your iPhone, and be as big of a fan as the next person. And that, to me, is the game changer. You can't do three-minute baseball. You can't take uh, baseball and put it into the microwave and, and get it in 30 seconds. It's just not that kind of game. It's not hockey or basketball, which you could pretty much put money down, is done in two and a half hours in the regular season at least. For hockey, maybe three hours. It's not the NFL, which is only once a week. It's a game that's 162 games in 180 or so days. It's a grind. It's not checkers, it's chess. And if you don't like that, then maybe it's not for you. Now, we keep hearing about the growth potential being stunted, but I haven't seen it yet. I haven't seen it yet. And I don't know if making changes like more runs or you know, taking shifts away or, or playing with – I mean, what, what Rob Manfred may want to do is play with the rules of the game in the same way that the NBA added the three-point line back in the 80s and the NBA took away defense. And at this point, the NFL is like John Madden video game where you can't touch a receiver. and the NBA, you can't touch anybody anymore. You can't. So what do you want? You want baseball to become that? Where it's you know, pseudo-softball? where then you have a handful of pitchers who can actually be at the, the elite pitchers will find a way to get people out. Anybody who's mid-tier mediocre is going to have an ERA of four and a half or five. I mean, you had that to a certain degree in the 90s, and that was great baseball. I've never knocked the 90s. I mean, you know, even though I grew up in the 80s, I really cut my teeth as a young adult who started to really understand things and watching late 90s Mets baseball. I mean, I have more personal connections and memories to those teams than maybe the late, you know, the late 80s teams. Hey, five minutes left. I'm going to give you guys one more shot if you want to call in the number 646-716-8187 if you want to actually call in, make a comment. Um, look, I didn't, we didn't get a lot of calls this time, but I will tell you, we got great mailbag comments, and, and I've enjoyed doing this, and we'll do it again. I mean, I mean, you know, maybe the, the Sunday night, 6 o'clock didn't work. We seemed to, Our best one seemed to be right after the winter meetings on a Thursday. Like, it was like, what, 8 o'clock or something like that? And then we did one a couple of weeks later, but there was really no news. So maybe maybe that is what, you know, I'll talk to Joe D and, and that's how I could, uh, you know, get things uh, going a little bit. But, um, yeah, I mean, definitely we want to continue uh, doing this at MetsmerizedOnline.com. 646-716-8187 is the number. Let me check Twitter. Anything going on on Twitter here? Kind of before we wrap up here, see if we have any comments or questions or things of that nature. Uh, you know, maybe it's just because it's early in spring. Maybe that's part of the the issue. You guys aren't excited about the World Baseball Classic, is that? Uh, you don't want to talk about uh, the mustaches on the uh, the starting pitchers. You know that that to me is really other than Conforto. I mean, we talked about we got off to a great start talking about Conforto and Bruce and David Wright and everything is, you know. And it, here's the thing, and I kept and I told you this, and I'll leave you guys with this. If you go to New York Post. And, you know, Ken Davidoff is a good writer. He's an, I'm going to say this because, you know, I've had interactions with him. He's not, he's a bit of, a, of an odd guy to interact with because he can be very curmudgeonly. And he can be very, uh, how shall I say on the radio if you ever heard him? He can be combative. And sometimes, I mean, I think it's, it's, 
I think it's 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 more because of the stupid questions that get thrown, you know, at at, at writers sometimes. But today they, you know, there was an article recently. Here it is from Tim, Ken David early today, and the headline goes, "This is the kind of start that should worry the Mets." So, and basically, Ken is pointing out he didn't write the headline; he has nothing to do with the headline. But the but the point of the the article is that good fortune or not, uh, you know how the Yankees with their young players is off to such a better start in spring than the Mets because of the Plawicki injury that really is a big deal, and then uh, the you know the Duda injury. And I'm like saying to myself, guys, this goes back to the the stupid headline a couple of weeks ago with. Zach Wheeler, when he had some tenderness in his elbow, how they were like, hey, uh, you know, after three days, Mets already now have bad news. I mean, uh, that's not the way that, uh, you know, that that's the whole, like, I hate to use the word fake news because it's not fake news. It's agitation news. That's what it is, agitation news. I'm going to take a couple of more, uh, two more comments from the, because they're interesting comments from MetsmerizeOnline.com, and I'm going to wrap up unless you guys want to call in 646-716-8187. John Q, this 2017 reminds me a bit of the 1990 team. Big strikeout pitchers, good power, good hitters, and poor defense. That's not a bad point. That's not a bad point at all. Now, let me think about the 1990 team off the top of my head here. Um, Jeffries at second, not good defensively. Hojo at third, not good defensively. Actually... They had a. If you guys remember, they had Elster at short, who was good defensively, but had an arm issue. He had actually, I believe, a capsule issue, and he wound up uh, going on the DL and being out for the year. So they moved Hojo to short. Jeffrey said third and got Tommy Herb. So that helped prove the defense. He had Magan in the first, who wasn't anything special defensively. They had Daryl Boston in center. At one point, they had Keith Miller. They had McReynolds in left, good defensively. Strawberry in right. The issue with that team is that. When Hojo and uh, Jeffries up the middle, defensively bad, and behind the plate, they brought Charlie O'Brien in later in the year, who couldn't hit but was good defensively. But you had Mackie Sasser and Barry Lyons, and got, Mackie, of course, had the issue with the throwing and, and the pitchers. But that team had Cone, big-time strikeouts, good in big-time strikeouts, Viola, Fernandez. Uh, you had uh, six starters. We had Darling and Ojeda, who kind of were that swing. And you might see a little of that swing now. With Gazelman and Lugo being the swing guy, and maybe Wheeler, maybe they'll be able to, you know, manage innings that way. Um, so that is a very good point, John Q. That is a, a team that was a fun team. That was the end of the '80s run, but that was a fun team. And, and I think if you go back to Baseball Reference when we finally figure out how to use it on the on the, on the fly, you'll uh, you'll see that uh, Vitamin CM, our friend Chris again, not Corey, Chris. I don't know where I got Corey from. Nutley. Uh, pace of play ideas, timer on how long it takes to get from on deck to batter's box, uh, limit stepping out of box and actual swings of pitches. I agree, you know, uh, just get into the box. I, You know, look, I'm not a big leaguer, but when I played, when I it was my at-bat, I wanted to start it and go. I don't I don't understand the whole, you know, maybe, but I'm not, I wasn't a great player, so maybe that's, that answered the question. You know, I just want to go and, and hack away. Pitch clock so the pitcher actually pitches. Um, you know, they've started to t- look at that in the minor leagues. One less commercial per inning, ditch stupid local blackouts to get more revenue from streaming. I'd have to economically look at the last one. I have no problem with uh, with that. The blackout thing is an abomination. I know that the, you could watch the stream now uh, on SNY. I'm sure that uh, they'll black you out in certain areas if you're not in New York because they'll look at your IP address. I don't know if the one less commercial per inning, and they could get up the, you know, make the revenue up somewhere else, or would they be able to make it up by charging people more for the commercials they have? And again, I go back to the the interview that David Cohn did with Bob Clappish in the record, a really good Q and A, had about six or seven good questions talking to Coney. There's the solution: less commercials. But I don't know if baseball will do that. So anyway, hey guys, I had a great time tonight. I'm gonna wrap up here. Um, had a few, you know, the calls were great. Um, even though there was not that many of them, the, the mailbags were great. The commentary and the and the thread were great. Um, we'll definitely do this again. Uh, you know, maybe I'll talk to Joe D. Maybe Sunday night's not the best time to get a lot of live call in. Um, but again, if you wanna, you know, send a comment, of course, uh, email me msilva126 at gmail gmail dot com. Uh, send me a tweet at Mike Silver Media. You can go to uh, you know iTunes, SoundCloud, Blog Talk Radio. You know where to get this podcast. This will be available uh, on replay. So keep uh, 
keep subscribing, man, whatever you guys are doing. I'm your host, Mike Silva. Enjoy the rest of your Sunday. Thanks again, guys. Enjoyed today. We'll be back next Sunday. Take care. Have a great night. BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same-game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, weight gain. Maybe you think they're just part of getting older, but Midi Health understands that for women over 40, they can all connect to menopause. It's at the root of dozens of symptoms we experience, not just hot flashes. Midi clinicians are menopause experts offering safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com.